welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. watching TV this past week and they interviewed a, a lady who was 109 years old and they asked a question that maybe you would have asked a person who lived to 109 and that was what is the secret you know to make it so long she gave an interesting response she said well, I don't know what the secret is but here's what I do um, every day I drink three Dr. Peppers so maybe it's something about the 21 flavors and the sugar, I don't know. But any, every day, you know, uh, three Dr. Peppers. And uh, it's interesting because the doctors, they used to tell me not to drink three Dr. Peppers, but the same doctors who told me to do those that, well, I've outlived them. <laughs> so <laughs> that was an interesting comment. And uh, maybe they should have followed, you know, the true doctor, which is, I guess, Dr. Pepper. And uh, I hope we have some today. Anyway, um, <laughs> what was interesting, though, that uh, she didn't mention um, a certain thing. She mentioned Dr. Pepper, but she didn't say, I got to age 109 because, you know what, I worried. You know, I, I, was, I was the worrier, and that's the reason that I'm still here today. Worry propelled me to be 109. And, and perhaps you would uh, recognize that would have been a ridiculous response, too. In fact, I've done some research on end-of-life issues and, and, and people and what they say at the end of life. And, and people sometimes will say, you know, I wish I would have been more true to myself. Wish I would have bought the Porsche when I could. Uh, I wish I would have uh, uh, not worked so hard and spent more family time. You know, I, I wish I would have, you know, done those type of things. But no one ever mentions, you know what I wish I would have done? Worried more. You know, that, that would have been awesome. I wish I, I just wish I would have worried more. In fact, it reminds me of uh, how I, I got certain things in my life. I, I brought my show and tell item today. My diploma. I went to school to teach you. I put it in a nice frame. This is a diploma I got when I graduated from seminary after eight years of school. And to get this diploma, I had to do many things. It started with uh, German, and then Latin, and then Greek, and then Hebrew. And then I had to jump through, uh, you know, different tests, including the ACTs and theological tests, and, and then the financial hoops to jump through, and all those things that you know if you've ever had to, you know, get a graduate degree, you know, it's just a lot of hoops. But you know what didn't get me this? Worry. 
I don't mean to insult your intelligence, you know that, right? Worry wasn't helpful in accomplishing this. Worry, in fact, sometimes just stymied me from ever starting the research project or doing the paper or studying for the test because worry, worry does that. In fact, uh, what, what I'm trying to draw out from worry is something that Jesus is going to say to us today and, and maybe something, even if you're not a Christian, by the way, if you're not a Christian, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we hope to learn today why Jesus is so amazing, why his love is so good. But, but even if you're not a Christian, you probably have already understood that worry you know, it doesn't accomplish much. I would invite you to dive into our lesson and, and look here at uh, verse 27. Verse 27 says, Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? In other words, does worry add anything of value to anything? Now, when it comes to age, life, and expectancy, you might even say, no, worry's actually taken some years off of my life. Uh, thank you very much. Um, when it comes to other relationships, do you value your friends who are worriers? And I'm not saying you don't empathize, but it's like, I can't wait to talk to so-and-so because I just know they will just tell me all their worries, and they're just so refreshing. It's just so refreshing when I just, every time, and they're just worried all the time. I just, I just love those conversations. I just can't wait to be around that worrier. Or, or at work, you know, if there's a project, and it's a team project. I love team projects, right? And you know there's someone who's like a, a worrier slash pessimist, you know, and it's the person who's like, you know, after this project, I just know it's going to go bad, you know. We're doomed before we begin. It's going to fail. And I bet after, you know, we do this, they're going to fire us, you know. And, and, and so you're stuck with that guy, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to work with you today, you know, because um, worry adds such value to everything, right? You know, it's, it just accomplishes so much, right? We're, we're understanding uh, worry's difficulty. So we want to wrestle it to the ground. And we want to have a faith that, that not only is a faith for someday, which is eternity, which we have, we want a faith that is to be used every day. Let's call it a functional faith. A faith that, that, that lasts not only on Sunday, but then goes into our Monday. That's, that's what I'm hoping. Some of this will go into Monday. And maybe some of us it will leak into Tuesday. and Some of it will leak into Wednesday. That, that's the kind of faith we want. Um, I was hearing another pastor describe functional faith. And he described, you know, the difference between fine china. Any, anyone here have fine china? You got married and, and someone, you know, fine china. And if you have fine china, I, I had fine china passed down to me. Um, if you're anything like me, you probably know how many times you've used it. For me, it's, it's on one hand. I, I, we've used the fine china all on, on one hand. In fact, I only remember like one Thanksgiving because we don't host very much. Any, um, we, one hand, we've used fine china. Some people approach their faith like fine china. And that ain't helpful. Some people say, I'm going to bring my faith out. I'm going to bring Jesus out on the special occasion. So I'm going to bring Jesus out on Christmas, on Easter. I'm going to bring Jesus out when, when it's time to get married or my kids need to be baptized. I'm going to bring Jesus out in those special occasions, but, but not in the rest. And not past Sunday for sure. He's the fine china. We just bring him in, you know, on, on some things, the, the special things. Faith, true faith in God should be better than that. It should be used more than that. True faith in God is like my second show-and-tell item. Look at these babies. These were plates that I grew up eating on in my family household. I'm, I'm not sure when they were bought, maybe the 70s. What, what is this style? I don't know. That's not a particularly beautiful flower, but it's a flower. Anyway, um, and, and uh, it's, it's a plate that I, I don't know how many times I've eaten spaghetti off of or microwave burritos off of. I mean, every day as a kid, and then when I got married, were passed down. 
And uh, so every day I'm still using this plate, you know, and, uh, and, and, and that, that, that's, that's the everyday plate. What if faith was more like this plate? That's what I want our faith to be like here at Amazing Love. And, and even if you're new to Christ, I want you to say, it's not just about a Sunday. It's about an everyday type of faith. It's about what you pull out all the time and use to help you through this life until eternity. It's not just about eternity. It's about every day until eternity as well. But I need to clue you in at something about functional faith. If, if you want this kind of faith, here, here's, here's the clue. Here, here's what it's going to be about. Functional faith, it's more or it's less about the ahas, and it's more about the uh-huhs. Let me unpack that. It's less about the ahas, more about, have you ever had an aha moment? You're sitting at that convention, that conference, and you're like, this person's Einstein. This person has figured out the question of the cosmos because I had never understood that. Ding! You know? And, and it's understanding, like, for the very first time, how life works, how something works. And, and, and aha moments, man, are they just fun and wonderful. They are great. In fact, I'm hoping that every now and then you have them here. Um, but but I, would, I would imagine that that's, that may be rare. You know, I, I'm, I'm banking that maybe it happens like once or twice a year is an aha moment. Because if you're a Christian for more than two years, most of it is uh-huh. And an uh-huh is something you just know deep-seated, didn't need to be told again because, well, you just know it's true. It's something that you just amen. It, it, it's the truth that, that, that no one has to tell you that, that you already know. It, it's kind of, it reminds me of like, you know, the key to getting in shape. Everyone knows the key to getting in shape. You eat right, and you exercise. There's really no wiggle room around it. That, that's the key to getting in shape. You eat right, and you exercise, you eat right. It's uh-huh information, right? The difference is actually doing it. <laughs> what your functional faith life will be is a matter of actually hearing and doing it. It's the uh-huh information that maybe for so long you've just like, yep, yeah, pastor, yep, yeah, pastor, never going to do it. Yep, yeah, never going to, yep, yeah, never, ne yeah, no, never, you know. And you just uh-huh all the time, but you never get to work. Well, Jesus said if you would actually put it to work, it only works when you work it. He said when you work it, it's like building your house upon a rock versus that of sand. It's going to help you. So again, your functional faith, sometimes you just need a, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, I hear you, and I'm going to do it. I set that up because today, I'm not sure there's many ahas. I really don't. It's, it's a lesson that maybe you've heard five times. I know I've preached it twice here. So I'm just hoping some uh-huhs would take root in your life. Does that make sense? And, and that you would actually do what you hear. Okay? That's the goal. That's the goal. So we're in this series called The End Commandments, called The End Commandments, coming hot off the heels of, of the, the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, catch up online, but we believe that the same spirit and power that rose Jesus is the same spirit and power alive in every Christian. Which means we can have not just one victory, but many victories throughout our life. And maybe, maybe we can make some progress when it comes to worry. Maybe, just maybe, our default setting can move from a quick reaction to fear and worry and doubt to that of faith. That's kind of the goal, to, to move from fear, worry, and doubt to that of faith. That's kind of our, our goal for this conversation. So let's get into it. lesson is uh, actually from Jesus' longest sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's funny that Jesus' longest sermon is all about functional faith. It's all about living it out if you read the Sermon on the Mount. 
And so he's going to say, again, here's how you live it out. Here, here's what it looks like on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And let's get into his famous section on worry. Okay? Matthew 6. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Not even a celebrity on the red carpet looks like a lily of the field. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith, you little faithers? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we wear? What shall we drink? For the pagans, those without God, Run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And um, with that, could you just turn to the person next to you and say, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Be happy. I like that one too. Let's dig in. Let's dig in. Have you ever been able to see what was coming on the horizon and predict the future? Have you ever been able to tell when something was coming? Maybe it was something that was coming in your family. Maybe it was something that was coming in work. And sure enough, you, you should have been called a prophet or a prophetess because you knew it. You saw it days before it happened. You just knew it was going to happen. And that's what I'm hoping about the Cubs for the World Series. But anyway, um, you know, 2016, baby, this is the year. And, uh, and so sometimes we, we know what it is to predict the future. We see things coming. You know, that, that separates us from maybe other animals, this, this ability to plan for the future. In fact, how many of you would say you're planners? You're, you're planners. You like to plan. You like to plan. You like to plan. And, and that's a good thing. You know, it, it kind of makes life like a chess match. In chess, you kind of, you know, think what is going to happen, and then you think based on that and then direct your steps. So, so if you plan, you can kind of do this chess match with life of like, okay, that's going to happen, and then this is my counter, and, and try to stay like two steps ahead. Now, normally this ability to see what's coming on the horizon, the Cubs winning the World Series, it's usually a good thing, except... For when it's tied to worry. Because do you know that same ability that helps you plan is directly linked to your ability to worry? It is. And that is what God is going to talk about. Much of what we deal with when it comes to worry isn't anything that's going on right now. It is something that is looming in the future that you're trying to predict. Look again at verse 34. He says, therefore, don't worry about what? Don't worry about Tomorrow is not today. It is the future, right? Tomorrow in its essence is just saying the things to come, the things you might think will happen on the horizon. He says those things in particular don't worry about tomorrow, worry about itself. Just focus on today. There's so much wisdom on just focusing on today. And now I need to ask you, what's worrying you? Let's just bring it to your forefront. What in the world are you worried about? What is your worry? You can write it down can tell someone, doesn't matter. What do you worry about? 
I love Andy Stanley's definition of worry. Here, here it was. I, I love this definition. Worry is smuggling tomorrow's trouble into today. Worry is smuggling, stealing that trouble and trying to process it today, though you can't do anything about it, though you can't control it, though it hasn't happened yet, you are going to try to do the work of getting to work on something that isn't about today. What are you worried about? And here I want to know how many of your worries have to do with tomorrow? How many of your worries have to do with the future? Because this is how my life works. Today I kind of know what's going to go down. I do. In fact, I even feel kind of prepared for what's going to go down. I get to talk to you guys about Jesus. The adrenaline runs off, so I get to take a nap. Then I get to have family time. Now, when I just break life down that way, like, I can do today. All right. You know, that's pretty good. When I look at all of next week, I'm overwhelmed. It just doesn't work. It's just like, I want to hide in a cave and like, no, it can't all be accomplished in one week. What are you talking about? But I don't have to worry about that because really, even though I'm a planner, all I really have to do is, can I do today? And here's my answer. I can do today. I can. By the grace of God, I can do today. So all I need to do is today. It's cool. It's good. Back to your worries. What if what you're worrying about with your kids isn't really about today as much as it is about their future? What if your concerns about job isn't really about what you have to do tomorrow on Monday or even today to prepare, but, but is actually just about the future? What if your relationships with your kids or your spouse or anything is really not even about what you have to do today, because you see how that works, but is maybe a concern about the future? If we're really real about our worries, I would propose to you that most of them have to do with the future. And God spoke directly into that in verse 34 when he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. I haven't given you the ability to conquer tomorrow's problems, basically. And you can't conquer tomorrow's problems. All you can do is today. That's it. That's all. So one thing that I think is really helpful would be this. Relabel whatever you called your worry as tomorrow. Because again, you're not really worried about your kids. You're worried about tomorrow, the, the, the college they'll get into, the future they're going to have, the spouse they're going to have. You're really just worried about tomorrow, aren't you? Many of us. You're really not worried about your job today, are you? You're just kind of worried about what might happen. You're, you're really not worried about the relationship today, are you? You're just really kind of thinking about what may happen in the future someday. So relabel that worry as tomorrow. It's very helpful. Very helpful. You can use it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But you know, as Christians, and again, welcome Christians, if you know the future, what is the greatest future we have to look forward to? You know it, isn't it? It is heaven. It is that primary victory of salvation. And I love to consider heaven on a regular, daily basis. That helps me considering tomorrow. When I consider heaven daily, it helps me each day. When I consider what's coming daily, it helps me each day. Because what I know is coming for all of eternity, and I'm a math guy, eternity versus 70 or 80 years is, is really overwhelming, 70 or 80 years. What I know is coming is no more pain, no more sadness, no more crying, no more death, because the old things are gone. That is what is ours. There was a Christian who said, I know what eternity does for today. He put it this way. He said, in, in, in the realm of what's coming, the eternal glory, guess what? We have light and we have momentary troubles. 
They're light because they're not so heavy to knock us down forever. Sin couldn't knock us down forever. The punishment for sin couldn't knock us down forever. Jesus took that. They are light, and they're momentary. They have a season. Now, I'm not trying to look down on your season. I'm not trying to say your season's easy. I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying it's a season. Sit. It's got an expiration date. It does. But what will not have an expiration date is our joys in heaven. And so what we need to remember is this truth. That we can have a greater tomorrow, eclipse, engulf, swallow up that lesser tomorrow. Every time you're worried about what's coming in the future, why don't you look at the bigger future which is yours and say in light of eternity and what is mine, what can't I go through? If he kills me, he's going to raise me. If a problem comes, he's going to work it for my good. That's what my God does. What can't happen? What can't I deal with? Let that greater tomorrow eclipse the lesser. So just to be real, worry is a part of my life, and I'll tell you recently why I was worried. We were uh, looking at renovations for this building, and I love our church, and just want to bring my best always, and, and so do many others. And, and I was with another guy looking at the white stuff on the walls called efflorescence, and we're like, why is that happening? And uh, so we check out the roof, and the roof guy's like, yeah, it's, it's all good, roof, roof's good, so don't worry about that. Then we got a, a stone guy and a mason come in. And this guy has an hour conversation. And let me put it this way. Have you ever taken your car in and you thought you needed an oil change? And then they said, oh, by the way, a new transmission and a set of tires. Right? So you were going to expect to pay like $30. The bill's 4000 right? Or have you ever been to a doctor for a routine checkup and, and you just thought it was a physical, but then they just point out something serious? Well, this is what that emotion was like. So we're having this hour-long conversation. And, and to the point where, and this isn't going to happen, don't worry, but he even references like it, it could just crumble. You know, so, so think of like the pit that's in our stomach. And I was with another guy here on our development team, and, and we're just feeling those emotions. You know what I'm talking about. If someone has really worried you by the information they were bringing, you know what I'm talking about? Anyone with me? Okay. After that hour conversation, guess what we had to do? Guess the only option that I thought to do, and I'm not super holy or pious, kept what I was just prompted to do. We prayed about it. Because this was way over my head. This was way bigger than me. I don't know if you've ever been there. It was way bigger than you. And so the only option I had at that point was to give it to the biggest guy I knew. And so we prayed. We probably prayed for five minutes, which is awkward for Lutherans because we're not used to praying that long. <laughs> and I didn't even use a rote prayer. I didn't have a book. It's crazy. But you know what happened? God answered it. That very day, another mason came by and was like, yeah, yeah, probably seal it. Said and done. <laughs> that very day. Uh, you know, later we'd have other people come in and say, yeah, you probably got to seal it, but it's not going to crumble tomorrow. And you're safe, by the way. <laughs> it's not going to crumble. And that is what prayer did. He, he came to our aid. And, and it, it didn't mean that we didn't have to do anything. In fact, we still have work to do. That, that's not, we'll talk about that. But it did mean that he could carry it and he could answer it. And it was way better than if I, as like pastor, tried to hold it all in. Right? It was way better than like, oh, i got to figure this out all on myself. You know, and this is what exactly God told us to do with our worries. Look at this passage. Don't be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present it to God. What I find then is that if that information comes your way, it shouldn't just stop with you. 
What I find then is that we are to receive it and relate. We are to receive it and relate. Receive it, then relay it. It reminded me of a telephone operator in the olden days. Look at this picture. And you actually had to patch through one caller to another, right? That's crazy. We have satellites that do that now, right? Um, But I would have you imagine if you're a Christian that you are this lady. Your job when it comes to the concerns of life isn't to hold it. You're to patch it through. Patch it through, baby. Patch it through to the only one who is supposed to go to, which is your God, who I don't know if you know this is kind of a big deal. He's kind of powerful. I don't know if you read Genesis, but he knows how to make stuff and do stuff. I don't know if you read the rest of Philippians where he said, nothing's impossible for me, by the way. And by the way, my son rose from the dead. What can I do? Receive it and relay it. And maybe by this we would be blessed. But here is gut check time. Because there may be someone in here today who is stuck in worry and is overwhelmed. And I would just ask you out of love, is it because you're holding on to it and you haven't passed it on? Is it because your default setting is to talk to everyone else, your mama, your best friend, but you don't go to your father, the one who could actually do anything about it? Who's sick of that? I'm sick to death of that. In fact, sometimes I'll just pause in spontaneous prayer when I hear the problem. I'm like, I can't, I can't have you talking anymore before we talk to that guy. You know, it's not working that way, okay? This is what we want to wrestle to the ground, that we actually do something about it. We relay it to the God who can do something about it. So, you know, worry and the sin of worry was, was described as the sin of distrust in God's power and promises. And I wonder how many times we do wrestle wondering, God, are you really powerful enough to be available? Are you really powerful enough to be there? Are you really powerful enough to do anything? Or maybe we doubt his promises. God, could you really bring good out of this? I don't see how he can bring good out of this. God, are you really there? Because it feels like you've forsaken me or left me. God, you promised never to leave me, but it seems like you've left me. I wonder how much of our distrust in God presents itself in our lives. Today is the day to repent of distrust. Today is the day to repent of our unfaithfulness. We don't have a perfect faith. But there's this passage that says, even if we're faithless and don't do what we know we should do, he's going to remain faithful. that, That should form trust in you. That even if you're faithless in doing what you know you should do and have done, he's going to remain faithful. He's the faithful God who when Adam and Eve broke the trust, promised to send a Savior. He's the faithful God who of a virgin named Mary sent that Savior. He's the faithful God who is Jesus himself, who even though it was hard, bore our cross. He is the faithful God who would not let death defeat him but would rise up again, assuring us of victory. He is the faithful God and our faithful, faithlessness is not contingent on his faithfulness but it's time to start being faithful. It's time to live in the peace that he's brought and now work out the faith day to day, trusting in that God, trusting that he can do something about it. But there's more. There's more. You know, an interesting thing is that he compared us to birds. He didn't call us bird brains, but look at verse 26. 26, it says, Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. That's an interesting premise. Um, I don't know at your high school, is a flock of ravens, you know, that that go with you to school, to algebra class. 
your job, is there like a cubicle for, you know, the, the I don't know, sparrows? When I was at seminary, there wasn't anyone, you know, learning theology that was a bird, uh, no peacocks or anything. Um, it's a silly point, isn't it? Um, what about investing in the stock market? Are, are there any, like, birds you have to compete with? Or do you call Vanguard and you talk to a bird? You know, that'd be frustrating, you know. Bird, birds don't really invest. They don't, they don't really go on Wall Street, you know. I don't mean to insult your intelligence. Do you see where I'm going with this? Birds don't do any of that. <clears throat> but does God feed them? Sure does. Now, unlike birds, can we sow, reap, and store? The answer is, yeah, absolutely. And, and there we need to be clear. Even though God can provide for you, even though you're un- unproductive, it doesn't mean you should bank on that. <laughs> Not at all. In fact, we know we should sow with hard work, and then maybe we'll reap a paycheck, and then maybe we can store away for a rainy day. That is what we should do. And so something I want to talk about next is this idea that we are to do what we can do, but we are to trust God with what we cannot do. When it came to the building, we, we can't just sit on our hands and do nothing. We're going to do what we can do, but we're going to leave to God what's bigger than us. It's the same thing if, if you want to get married someday. If you want to get married someday and you're just sitting on your hands, you're not on Match.com, you haven't asked anyone out, you're, you're not in the social environments, guess what? Um, you got to do what you can do. You can't control if they say yes to the date or the proposal or anything like that, but you got to do what you can do. You can't control what's going to happen with your company. You know what you can do? Work hard and work faithful. You can't control what's going to happen with the economy. You know what you can do? Trust God for your future, which means handling resources by giving back to him, saying, I'm dependent on you. They came from you. Trust God for your financial future. You can't control what's going to happen in the state of this country, by the way. Do you know that? A lot of passion over that topic. You know you can't control what's going to happen in our country? Can't. Can't, can't, can't. You know what you can do? Vote. Write letters. Have conversations. But you can't control. You can't control what's going to happen when it comes to terrorism. You know what you can do? Put your hands, or put your life in the hands of God, who is above and bigger than any terrorist, any threat. The God who, even if we were killed, can raise us from the dead. That's what we can do. So when it comes to worry, this isn't just about sitting on your hands. It's about doing what you can do and then trusting God with what you can't do. But now I want to close because we got a beautiful day to enjoy. Still hoping this is the best part of your enjoyment, but anyway. uh, we got a beautiful day to enjoy, so I'm going to close and land the plane. And and, uh, I want to tell you about some awesome things that happened this past week. Maybe you saw them. I'm a sports guy. I'm sorry about that. Um, uh, this, This past week, Kobe Bryant had his last game, and you know how many points he scored? 60 points, yeah. The Warriors, they had the best season record. You know how many wins they had? 73 over 72 of the Bulls. And, and, and Addison Russell, they were down by like two runs. You know what he does? Three-run home run. Yeah, yeah, they win the game. You know what the Sox did? They sweep a series. You know, it's, it's awesome to, to see the, the great work of others. And just when's the last time you've just been in awe of someone? I, I love it to be in awe of people. It's, it's just a great feeling. Whoa, that's really cool what, what they do. To be in awe. Well, I want to tell you an Old Testament story. There's a prophet named Elisha. And here was a scenario. The king of Aram was fighting against God's people, the king of Israel. And, and this, this nation was trying to set ambushes on the kingdom of Israel. So Elisha, who could hear from God, would always inform the king of Israel. He would say, king of Israel, don't go there. There's an ambush for you. Happened once. Try it again. Uh, king of Israel, don't go there. There's an ambush for you. So he didn't go. 
Happens again. King of Israel, don't go there. There's an ambush. You know what the king of Aram started doing? He's like, what in the world is going on? Is there a traitor in our midst? Who is giving them this information? Well, he hears that it isn't a traitor. It's about Elisha the prophet who can hear from God. And so instead of then going after the king of Israel, you know who he goes after? Elisha. Shouldn't be a prophet of God. You're a target. Anyway, different sermon for a different day. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, that's just me. Anyway, um, uh, so Elisha then is surrounded um, by um, the army of Aram and the king there, right? And, uh, and, and, and that's, what's, that's what he's seeing. And his servant wakes up and he sees the Aramean army. And they're like, what in the world? We don't have an army. We're just servants of God. And, and then Elisha, he's like cool as a cucumber. He's cool as the other side of the pillow. And he, 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 this, is, this is what happens. He says, Elisha prayed. He said, open his eyes, my servant's eyes, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses, and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, with the Lord, the God of all, the God of heavenly hosts, with the Lord on Elisha's side, did he have anything to be worried about? No, he didn't. Nothing could take him down. Not without God's authority. What's circling you, my friends? I don't know what it is. I know it's something. What's around you? We know what trouble looks like. What if God would open your eyes today to his power? What if he would open his eyes to the fact that there's nothing facing you that is more powerful than our God? You know I'm convinced of this? Because there was a man named Jesus who died. And they placed it in the tomb. And no one thought he was going to rise up. But you know what he did three days later? He rose from the dead. That's the same God who is in power today. The same God about your life. The same God who says, open your eyes. Once for all, see my power. There's nothing you can go through that I'm not more powerful than. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, um, I admit I'm a worrier. And I just ask you for forgiveness for all the times I haven't trusted you. But now do the work that only you can do. Um, change my heart. Change our hearts so we trust in you. Lord, we give every battle that we're facing over into your hands. We relay it today. We toss it today. All our relationship troubles, all our financial troubles, all our health troubles, all our future problems, we give it to you. Give to us then peace. Help us to be faithful with what we know to do. Um, but open our eyes once again to your majesty, to your power again. Guide and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.